remember love, remember mercy, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Father, as I uh, bring the word to you now, I just pray that uh, these words I speak may be your words, and that you bless them to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so we, we read um, about uh, a fairly bloodthirsty story in the Old Testament in Samuel where Jonathan creeps up on the, uh, the Philistines and they, well, the, the uncircumcised and uh, sort of then slaughters them basically um, with, his, with his armor bearer. Um, and, and, I, and, and you'll be wondering why I've chosen that sort of bloodthirsty passage to, to talk about. Um, well, all become clear. Uh, I, you know, we're in a bit of a time of change, aren't we, in this fellowship? We've just, uh, you know, said goodbye to our minister. We've got a, a, a sort of uncertain situation ahead of us. We don't quite know what's going on. And we need to seek God's will for what is the future of this fellowship. We want to know what to do. We want to know how to kind of structure things and, and how to grow our fellowship, uh, both numerically and in uh, the spirit of God. So let's first of all believe that God has a plan for us. Okay, That's absolutely paramount, that we believe that God has a plan and uh, that it's going to be a plan that does us good. So we read in, in Jeremiah, hold on. My Bible open. We read in Jeremiah uh, 29 uh, that uh, this is uh, verse 11 in, in chapter 29 of Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. So there's the promise that God has a plan that's going to prosper us if we seek his will, and we seek that plan, and we meet with God. He will meet with us. He will uh, bring us back. From captivity and, and while those words were to a literal captive um, people in Babylon they do apply to a, a captive fellowship in inverted commas on the cusp of something big and different I believe but, but what is that God knows about our um, our destiny before we were even born it says that in it also in Jeremiah in, in chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> and I think that God has a, a specialized plan for, for each of us to reach our destiny, not just a general outline, but something very, very specific. And this plan will, will prosper us. And in Galatians 5, we read that the fruits of the Spirit will be exhibited. They are the things that will come out of a plan that prospers God's people. 
so we've got the the love joy peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness gentleness self-control and that they're not going to harm us his plan isn't going to harm us or take us in the wrong direction and, and, and jeremiah also reminds us that it's a plan of hope that there's a plan for a future but it does involve meeting with god in prayer so it isn't just going to creep up on us and take us by surprise we have to want to know what it is we have to be prepared to meet with god to find out what it is and then god will listen is listening and god will respond so what did god do with the israelites well he he brought them out of captivity that was the, the plan for them okay it took 70 years but his plan did prevail so there's a plan for us in this place but what is it and in, on one level i'd love to be able to kind of stand here and say this is god's plan for us and it's this 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 and this frankly i don't know at the moment um, so we're going to have to seek God's plan. And it's going to take all of us to do that. In 1 Samuel, in that passage we read, Jonathan seemed to be in a bit of an uncertain position. He didn't completely know the absolute direction for that present time. It wasn't clear. He said it may be. There's lots of phrases that like that start it may be or perhaps. So he had no clue what was happening. There was doubt in his mind. And doubt is the opposite of, of faith. Ephesians 6, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God and the shield of faith by which we quench the fiery darts of the enemy. So, so when we're hit by these darts of doubt, we need a, a shield of faith to overcome uh, Satan's attempts to unravel our faith. We all have uncertainties and doubts. We're all unsure and unclear about the next step or the right move at some point in our lives. And sometimes all we have is a sense of feeling something abstract. But, you know, let's face it, in life we like a bit of a certainty, don't we? We like a kind of sure thing. I do. It's nice to know that. You know, if you, if you uh, not that I'm suggesting we do this, but if you go and bet on something, a horse or a football match or something, it'd be really nice to know the outcome before you put the bet on it. It's called match fixing, so we won't do that. But you know. <clears throat> if you invest your money, it would be lovely to know that your money only went upwards. But of course, every time you invest money, they have to tell you that your money may go downwards as well. So nothing's certain. How much risk do you want to take in life, you know? But a certainty, a sure thing, doesn't take any faith in God's eyes. Hebrews 11.6 identifies faith as a prerequisite for pleasing God. And the truth is that most of us will face more maybes and perhapses than certainties with God in our walk with God. And we, we, we may have a sense of what's right and what God's will is for us, but we may still and will still have doubts and uncertainties within that feeling, within that plan. Ecclesiastes 11, 4 and 5 says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. 
As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And I think that's a kind of uh, a warning, really, that, that if we kind of sit and wait for perfect conditions, and I've had this in, in other churches before, and I've, I've even heard it in this church in, in, in previous uh, years, that, that, you know, we're a small church, there's not really many of us, we haven't got the resources to do that, we can't do that because there's not enough of us, or we try this and well, it didn't work 10 years ago, so there's no point in doing it, you know, that kind of thing. If we wait until conditions are perfect, it's the equivalent of watching the wind and saying, right, you know, well, it's a bit windy today, I'm not going to... I'm not going to harvest my crops. Uh, and then tomorrow it's even worse. You know, we're, we're not bound by our earthly resources. He, he's going to make sure that we've got what we need if it's seeking God's plan and we're following what he wants us to do. And I'm, I'm suggesting, therefore, that we have to sometimes perhaps move out on a maybe or proceed with a perhaps. See what I did there, the illiterative It's not a wildly responsible kind of thing that we're going to do, not, but it's stepping out in faith. And we will not be 100% sure. But if we wait until we are 100% sure, uh, that's not having any faith. And I think God's saying to us, if you move out on a maybe and you seek my will and you believe in the plan that I have for you to prosper you, uh, then I think he can turn our work into, into a miracle. <coughs> but do we trust God? Do we think that he really does have this plan for us? I think God doesn't mind us making mistakes, but I think he does mind us not doing anything. In, in business, when I was uh, running a company, you know, there's an axiom which suggests that, uh, that if you're learning from your mistakes, that's good. You can still move your business forward. And conversely, there's nothing that stifles creativity than, than a boss or a management that says you can't, you know, they, they don't tolerate any mistakes. And if you, you, you cock up, you're, you're out. Then nobody tries anything and your business stagnates. Uh, there's a story of, uh, of uh, an insurance salesman in 1883. He was about to close the biggest deal of his life. And in 1883, this was an insurance policy with a wealthy client. He was going to sell this insurance policy. It was $50,000 insurance policy, which was a big lot, you know, a lot of money. It's a lot of money now, but it was huge then. And he had the customer sat at the table and the contract in front of them. And the guy was about to sign, the client was about to sign, and he, he handed him his pen to sign. The pen didn't work. And he was fiddling around with his pen, and the client said, oh, do you know what, it's a lot of money. Oh, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. Yeah, thanks for coming. And that insurance salesman thought, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to have a pen that works. And so he invented a pen. That worked. And his name was Lewis Waterman. 
who invented Waterman pens. <laughs> so he learned from his mistakes. So if something's happened in our church life, let's learn from it. Let's make something good come from it. God is on our side and he's able to do much more than we can imagine, as we, we know from the scripture. Bispin. Nick, can I make a suggestion? <laughs> you can. When things are not going well, yeah. sometimes you just need to improvise. Yeah, that's true. We need to be creative, and that's what I'm saying. We need to be prepared to make mistakes because I think God will honour those if they're made in the right way. Yeah, I'm not suggesting we go willy-nilly and you know, try stupid things. But if we're really seeking God's will in prayer and we believe that God is leading us in a direction, God wants us to, to pursue that. Revelation 3.7 says, What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and not denied my name. So God may unlock a door, but leave it closed. It just needs us to kind of give it a gentle shove and push it open. And do we have, do we have enough faith to, to push open that door? We can't make a mistake so big that God can't clear it up. <laughs> I really believe that. God wants us to have a go. It, it reminds me of a situation. There was a, a, a big flood predicted in, um, in the United States. And, you know, with the weather warnings, they knew this flood was coming. And the waters came into the town and started building up in the street. And... Uh, there was a Christian man living in, in a house um, in this town and, and, and uh, the uh, emergency services sent a, a fire department guy to knock on his door and say, you better evacuate because the, the water's coming and it's, getting, it's going to be bad. You need to evacuate the house. And the, the, the Christian said, well, do you know what? God's got this. He'll keep you safe. There's no issue. I'll stay if you like. <laughs> and the guy said, well, I'm not happy here, but, you know, it's going to flood. So sure enough, the waters came and, and, and um, eventually the, the house was flooded and, and he had to um, go to the, the um, upper story, um, the first floor, and the water had risen to just outside his bedroom windows. And, and then the fire department sent a boat to pick up any stragglers and the guy was uh, leaning out of his window and the guy was saying, get into the boat, come on, the waters are still rising, your house is going to be swamped. The Christian said, well, you know, God's got this. It's fine. He'll look after me. Not an issue. Well, on your head be it then, you know, but your house is going to be uh, underwater in, in an hour. No, no problem. So sure enough, the waters continue to rise, and uh, now the guy's on the roof of his house. And um, the emergency services send a helicopter to evacuate the last few people that were clinging to life on top of their uh, roofs. And they let down the ladder and said, come on, climb up the ladder. And he said, do you know what? God's got this. Not a problem. And the waters rose and the waters rose. Helicopter flew away and the man drowned. He went to heaven and he marched. He was really angry now. 
He marched into God's office. He goes, excuse me. I'm assuming God has an office. <laughs> it's probably really nice, like a corner office with like really nice sofas and things. Marched into the office. Excuse me, God. I put my trust in you. And, and I kept telling people that you would save me. And I drowned. Thanks very much. And God said, but look, I sent you a bloke from the fire department to knock on your door. I sent you a boat to save you. I sent you a helicopter to save you. And still you ignored me. We can't, be a, we can't afford to ignore the resources that God gives us. He will resource us. He's a provident God, it says in the, in the Bible. Look at how many decisions we make in life that are not based on certainty. You know, marriage, children, new houses, starting a job. All of those are examples of moving out and maybe you've no idea what's really going to happen in your new job or when you marry Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all moving out on a maybe, proceeding on a perhaps. Mark 9.23 says, um, this was a, the story of a, 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 a boy being, who, who'd been possessed by a demon and, and Jesus heals him. Um, and uh, drives out the demon and then says to the boy's father, um, if you believe all things are possible, the man replied, I believe, but help my unbelief. So is that kind of an example of a bit of schizophrenic faith? I know you can do it, but I'm not sure what you're going to do, Lord. Jesus turned that maybe into a miracle of healing in that, in that circumstance. And I think there's, there's a lesson there exactly for our situation. We are not going to know exactly what God wants us to do down to the exact details. We're going to have to kind of, as Crispin said, improvise a bit. Now, in 1 Samuel, going back to the story from Scripture, some people think that there are up to 250 Philistine soldiers in that half-acre ground. Jonathan, his arm bearer, only had one sword between them, which seems a bit stupid, really. <laughs> but anyway, could have at least taken their own sword, couldn't they? But I suppose Jonathan's too important to carry his own sword. He has an armor bearer. But perhaps the Lord will work for us, Jonathan says. And the armor bearer says, I'm with you. Do what's in your heart. Look at what those men were missing. They didn't have enough people. They didn't have enough weapons. They didn't have enough equipment. They didn't have a plan. They were not able in a natural way to succeed, but they had faith. They didn't have assurance, but they had faith. They had faith in a maybe or faith in a perhaps. And God intervened and they won the day. So I have a vision, <clears throat> excuse me, of a fellowship who are where we're like the armor bearers. And we seek God's plan, and then we say, I am with you, heart and soul. We are with you. We are with you, God. We are with you wherever you're taking us. So let's show God that we have the faith in his plan, even if we aren't sure of all of the details.
So my challenge to us today from that story in scripture is, are we ready to move out on a maybe or proceed on a perhaps? Let's step out in faith and let's God move our maybe into a miracle. Amen. Amen.